Welcome to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. This week, we are proud to feature a session from the 2019 Tucson Festival of Books curated by Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices program. This session was entitled Undocumented, The Price of Admission, in which acclaimed authors Reina Grande, Jose Antonio Vargas, and Ingrid Rojas Contreras explored the unforeseen cost of the undocumented experience. Ernesto Portillo Jr. moderated the panel. Nuestras Raices, Our Roots, is a group of Pima County Public Library staff members who work together to celebrate and honor the culture, voice, and linguistic heritage of our Latinx and Spanish-speaking communities in Pima County. This is part one of a two-part series. Uh, first, Ernesto Portillo Jr. introduces the panelists. Hola, buenas, hola, buenas tardes. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Tucson Festival of Books 2019. My name is Neto Portillo. Welcome to the uh, Festival of Books. This panel called Undocumented, The Price of Admission will end in one hour. Please save your questions for the panelists until all of them have spoken, and we'll have 15, 20 minutes for some Q&A. The festival organizers thank Pima County Public Library. Yes! Raices Rocks for sponsoring this location and Steve Alley. Also, Trisha and Andy Shore for sponsoring the upcoming panel discussion. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, our authors, which I had failed to do earlier. <laughs> Embarrassing. Uh, here to my uh, far, far left, Reina Grande is the author of the best-selling memoir, The Distance Between Us, where she writes about her life before and after coming from Mexico to the United States as an undocumented immigrant. And the much-anticipated sequel, A Dream Called Home, was released in fall last year. Her other works include the novels Across the Hundred Mountains, Dancing with Butterflies, and uh, she has, uh, she's working on a book, and if you ask her, she might tell you what she's working on. She has received numerous awards, including the Premio Aslan Literary Award and the International Latino Book Award in 2012. In, in the middle is Jose Antonio Vargas, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Emmy-nominated Emmy filmmaker, and a leading voice for the human rights of immigrants. He is the founder... He is the founder and CEO of Define American, the nation's leading nonprofit media and cultural organization that fights injustice and anti-immigrant hate through the power of storytelling. His memoir, Dear America, Notes of an Undocumented Citizen, was published in fall of 2018. And lastly, Ingrid Contreras, uh, Rojas Contreras, was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia. Her first novel, Fruit of the Drunken Tree, is an Indie Next selection, a Barnes & Noble Discover Great News Writers selection, and the New York Times Editor's Choice. Her essays and short stories here have appeared in the New York Times Magazine, BuzzFeed, Nylon, among others. Ingrid has received numerous awards and fellowships. And let's uh, start talking about <laughs> the cost. At the panel earlier in which Reina participated, we brought up the, 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 the subject of the cost to, to young immigrants 
undocumented refugees and the psychological uh, trauma that they go through. Of course, there are many, many other costs, and I can, you can rattle off a, a, a large number. But Ingrid, when you think about the cost of, of immigration, the cost of, of immigrants, what comes first to your mind? Um, I think, well, the, the first thing and maybe the thing that I've been thinking about the most, um, I just got my, my citizenship last year. Yay. Thank you. Um, and, and because it's been so, so recent, like the, there, there was all the things that I had to do to get there. But the, the thing that comes most to my mind um, was this moment where in order to, uh, you have to go through screening um, and medical screening. And so they, they withdrew blood. Um, and then I still, I still had to go to a, to a doctor and I had to strip to my underwear. Um, and they had to, I don't know what they were looking for. Like if they're, if they're taking your blood and they're, they're doing all these other tests, um, if you, there's, the medical community knows that there's actually no reason why, why they need to see you in your underwear. Um, but they can even, you know, the, the written law, it says that they can even ask to see your genitals. So someone, and that would be legal. Um, so the, there's, it's just been on my mind, like, what is, you know, the, what are we thinking, what is the, what, you know, what, what are we thinking that that's necessary? You know, do you must have, like, a kind of like a perfect track record, and then your body must also be good? Uh, but, but during that, during that medical visit, the, the doctor also um, just walked up to me with her pen and she kind of like uh, dug it into my hair and she said, oh, you, do you know that you have a caspa, that you have a, what's the word? Dandruff. Uh, and she wrote it on my file. So, uh, so it, there's, I think that there's the, there's the price of, you know, everything that you go through and then there's the price of uh, what, what the state um, makes you go through to to say okay she she's good to be here now humiliation she has, she has dandruff but okay humiliation <laughs> is 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 a huge price to pay yeah. Jose in in your book undocumented uh, you talk about so much uh, and one that came through is the, the 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 price that you paid and that is the loss of identity uh, who 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 are you who in your book came through, like, who am I as an American? Um, by the way, thanks. I've never been to Tucson, so it's really nice to be here. Um, Should have been here for the blizzard last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I actually, I really didn't want to, I, I didn't want to structure the book like a traditional memoir, so instead I, um, I did three, like, um, I structured it under three themes, lying, passing, and hiding. Oh, lying, passing, hiding. So instead of doing like a traditional chronological memoir, I, because originally I was going to write a manifesto, it wasn't even supposed to be a memoir. And then I ended up doing these three themes, which was lying, passing, and hiding, which is like the state of being that I think undocumented people find themselves in just so we could survive. And the passing part, I think, was the, like the, 
the moment I found out I was here illegally when I was 16, the first thing I had to do was um, get rid of my thick Filipino accent, which is kind of like that, right? And so I did that by watching a lot of PBS. <laughs> and thankfully, this was in the 90s, so like hip-hop and R&B was like the golden era. So like I figured if I could sound black and white, <laughs> I would pass. And, but because my name is so Latino, and then I look like this, so it's always confusing for people exactly what I am. And at one point, I actually start, I actually stopped telling people that I was Filipino. I would just say I'm from California. <laughs> and incredibly enough, because I had acquired this different accent, people just let me pass. Like, I wonder what, what would have been like if I continued my, with my thick Tagalog accent, um, or if my Jose had an E, <laughs> if my Jose had an accent on the E. Right, which Filipinos do not. That's a whole explanation that I can explain later. So I think this idea of having to concoct a different identity. Um, and mind you, this is from the dreamer generation that were dreamers before there was a dream act, right? Before there was social media, before there was undocumented, unafraid, and unapologetic. Like I'm, I just turned 38. I'm of the older <laughs> variety of dreamers. We were dreamers before there was no language around it. So I think a lot of us had to kind of just try to be invisible. You are listening to a session from the 2019 Tucson Festival of Books curated by Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices program entitled Undocumented, The Price of Admission on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Moderator Ernesto Portillo Jr. and acclaimed authors Reina Grande, Jose Antonio Vargas, and Ingrid Rojas Contreras explored the unforeseen cost of the undocumented experience. Reina, when you uh, came to this country, uh, again, you were undocumented, as were your parents, and subsequently uh, you were naturalized, and you did pay a cost uh, at that time. Is there still a cost for you uh, that you were at one time were undocumented? Hello, everyone. Um, so good to be here with you today. I actually just wrote a piece that was published on CNN two days ago called I Lost My Mother Tongue and Almost My Mom. And I explore in this piece what I lost being an undocumented immigrant here in this country. So technically the price that I paid. And the, the essay centers around my trauma of learning English and how I got shamed into uh, giving up my mother tongue in order to learn English and become completely American. And how uh, my siblings and I, you know, bought into the belief that in order to be American, you had to um, speak English without an accent and you had to forfeit your cultural identity. So I gave up my mother tongue. I lost it because I experienced um, subtracted bilingualism, which is when you subtract your mother tongue and you replace it with English. And by doing that, by, by becoming ashamed of my, my native tongue, um, it also led into me feeling ashamed of my parents, especially my mother, who never learned English. And I began to reject my mother. I began to reject my mother tongue. So the price that I paid and that I'm still experiencing now is this very, very complicated relationship that I have with my mother. You know, we're, we just... Um, don't have a good relationship. 
it's it's been a, a, a big struggle to realize the extent of how much I denied my mother and distanced myself from her and how my siblings and I, we were speaking English all of the time and leaving her out of our conversations and eventually leaving her out of our middle-class American lives. And my, my sisters and I didn't teach our children Spanish, so then our children couldn't speak to their grandmother. And, and my mother, whenever she would come visit, she would feel so out of place in every way. So to me, like that's something that I'm trying to work on now because I feel that my siblings and I were brainwashed into, um, into internalizing that disdain that American society has for someone like my mother, you know, an uneducated, working class, non-English speaking immigrant. And that was the price that one of the the, the, the prices that, that we paid um, to in order to become American, we, we had to give up our relationship with, with our own mother. So I'm trying to work on that even to this day. Mm -hmm. Ingrid, what was your experience in, in the transformation or the, again the journey from being in Colombia and in the United States? What did you have to give up in order to be who you are today? Uh, we, I left Colombia when I was 14, um, and we, my family and I, we went to Venezuela, um, and we were we were there for um, a year, and then we just bounced around South America, just trying to not come back to Colombia because it was not safe for us. Um, and when I came to the U.S., I I came on a student visa, and I I think I just had so much. I felt so much weight. I knew that, so like my parents, I got a scholarship, but um, my, my parents were still helping me pay for part of my tuition. And I knew that they were at home like eating uh, rice and beans so that they could save money to help me do that. Um, and I just, I had this incredible sense of weight and just felt so guilty and, and such a, uh, like an urge to try to do something that would make it worth it, the the sacrifices that they were that they were doing, um, and I, I think part of it is also that when you when you go through some kind of violent experience that like ma makes you leave your home, you always push those things down. Like you always push those emotions down because the immediate thing is how am I gonna survive or like how are we gonna figure this out. Um, and those things really, they come back to haunt you um, years later when you, <laughs> when you don't expect it. Um, so I think, I, I think there's, there's that price. Um, I was also, when I, when I first came here, I was so aware of, of being different and uh, people kept telling me that I was exotic. Um, and I, I didn't like that to be looked at in that way. Um, and I think my first reaction was to hide and to try to, to be um, like one of the, just try to like mimic whatever the culture was around me. Um, and there, yeah, there's a price to that too. Um, I, I think I, I, like Raina, I became like ashamed of part of my background, um, and specifically my my grandfather was a curandero in Colombia, uh, a folk healer, 
And it was, it was such a big part of how I grew up. But once I came to the US um, as a new immigrant, I completely suppressed that part of, of my experience and like my life, uh, everyday like life traditions. Um, and it wasn't until, it wasn't, I had an accident and I uh, lost my memory. And when I regained my memory, I had this this moment of like relearning what my history was, like what my background was and what my culture was. And the wonderful thing about that was that the shame was gone. So I somehow like lost the shame through this accident and then I um, arrived to a to a more like whole place. Um, and I don't know what would have happened without this accident. So I'm very help- thankful for that. <laughs> That we'll continue with a session from the 2019 Tucson Festival of Books curated by Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices program entitled Undocumented. The price of admission on 30 minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Moderator Ernesto Portillo Jr. and acclaimed authors Reina Grande, Jose Antonio Vargas, and Ingrid Rojas Contreras explored the unforeseen costs of the undocumented experience. In 2011, Jose wrote uh, an explosive essay for the New York Times. He had been a reporter at the Washington Post, and he offered up this essay to his employer, which he turned him down. So he went a step down to the New York Times and asked <laughs> the New York Times to publish uh, the essay where he outed himself as an undocumented immigrant. Subsequently, he appeared on the cover of Time magazine with other, other undocu- undocumented immigrants. But there's a price for that. What has been that price? You don't have a set address? <laughs> Actually, no, I, I changed that a bit. Oh, okay. So, um, I wrote this in the book, but I didn't want to dwell on it too much. I actually pitched it first to the New Yorker. Ah, okay. I because I was the last big thing I did was I wrote a profile of Mark Zuckerberg for the New Yorker. Who? Mark. Z- <laughs> you know one of those long profiles that the New Yorker does? It was like twelve thousand words. Um, so I had just finished that, and the New Yorker was asking, "Hey, what's your next story?" So I called David Remnick, the editor of The New Yorker, and I said, hey, actually, because after I wrote that story, it's so rare that you see someone who's not, who doesn't have a white-sounding name in The New Yorker. (laughs) So when I got published, all these book agents started like, hey, you should write a book on Zuckerberg. You should write a book on social media. This was 2010. And I said, actually, I got to go do this something first. And I actually thought this would be like a little detour. I thought I'd do this for two years, and then I would move on to my journalism career. So then I called David Remnick, and I said, hey, I'm ready to come out as undocumented. This is what's happening. And he totally didn't care. (laughs) He just, it just, it was as if I was talking about Mars. And this is David Remnick. So he, he didn't think it was a story? He didn't think it was a story. So I hung up. And then I called Catherine Wayman, the publisher of the Washington Post, Catherine Graham's granddaughter. She thought it was a story. And then I prepared it for them for like two months. And I had this great editor, Carlos Lozada, who's Colombian. And there was, I think at that time, there were three, <laughs> there were three people from, of Latin American descent at the Washington Post. Three. That's a and lot. he was one of them. <laughs> That's a lot. 
And I actually would tell them, please don't count me as one. I only count as Asian. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to like, you I'm not a twofer. Um, but Carlos was very, you know, journalists by nature have really high bullshit detectors. <clears throat> We're trained to be that way. So he kind of put my story through a ringer. He didn't understand why my grandparents didn't want to talk to a lawyer. That was such like a, like, Carlos was like, I don't understand. What do you mean you never talk to a lawyer? And then I realized that he comes from this upper middle class background in which lawyers, you talk to, I come from a family of, my grandma was a fifth grade graduate. My grandfather made, didn't make it to high school. So lawyers was not something we do. You know, like we just, so even that. And then the story was getting ready to run. And the editor at the time, Marcus Broccoli, who came from the Wall Street Journal, killed it, just spiked it, and said, I don't know what I don't know, and we can't publish this. So then thankfully, I called the New York Times to go one step lower. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they were more than happy. I'm, I'm saying this story to you because we are now amidst a presidential election. I think it is a crime that there are not a lot not only people of color, that there's not enough Latinx people in newsrooms across the country. Um, I think it's also embarrassing as an Asian person that the Asian Americans who are in American newsrooms too often hide behind objectivity and neutrality, right, to actually report the moral consequences of what this issue is about, right? Like, we shut down the government for 35 days because we can't even face the facts of what the issue is. So for me as a journalist who happens to be undocumented, that's a big, um, incredibly frustrating thing for me. Um, that we don't, that the people who get to frame the narrative and tell the story are not doing not only a factual job, but a contextual job in doing it. Reina, what... You want to clap? <laughs> Reina, the costs, uh, as we alluded to earlier, to undocumented people, undocumented families, is, a, is the immoral separation uh, of, of families. Um, if you were in the newsroom in a major American periodical, like the New York Times, Washington Post, or the Arizona Daily Star, how... <laughs> <laughs> how, I mean, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am anyway. How would you frame this discussion of the, and again, and, and I'm, I'm very, very clear about this, the immorality of the separation um, so of you're, families. So you're asking me to pretend to be a journalist? <laughs> Reina, you can't imagine how many calls I get from people who pretend to be journalists and tell me how to do my job. Well, I actually chose not to pursue journalism. Um, I chose to go the creative writing route. And it was because when I was in college, I actually took an intro to journalism. And it wasn't for me. Because um, journalists are told, you're not the story. And you have to go find a story outside of yourself and find subjects to write about. But my need to write was to understand what happened to me. 
to understand my trauma and everything I went through. So I was the story. So I said no to journalism, and I pursue creative writing, and I have spent my whole career as a writer um, turning inward to find a story within myself in order for me to understand my place in the world and to put into words all of these experiences that, that I went through and that inner turmoil that to this day I'm still struggling with. So, um, so I've always written, you know, uh, very personal autobiographical um, stories. But last year, with the family separation that was going on at the border, Jeff Sessions pissed me off. <laughs> when... He said, um, if parents don't want their children taken from them, then they shouldn't bring them along in the first place. And it pissed me off so much that for the first time, I attempted to, to write from a, not completely from a journalistic point of view, but the New York Times published a, a piece that I, that I wrote in defense of these parents. And, and um, anyway, so now I've been writing more from that, that perspective of trying to step a little bit outside of myself, like still write about my own experiences, but step a little bit outside of myself now and try to look at the world in a different way and try to write more um, from other perspectives to other people and, and what they've gone through. But I, I definitely um, would never uh, be a, a journalist. Um, I think I, I, I am too obsessed with my own uh, pain and, and trauma and want to continue to explore it from that perspective. But it has helped me to open up a little bit more and to see um, how I fit into the, the, the story of the world itself and the context of what's going on right now, like uh, with all these families being separated. And one of the things that I found really intriguing um, when the family separation was going on and also with the, with the migrant refugee caravans that have been coming is all these articles that have been published about trauma, about immigrant trauma, refugee trauma, and to finally be able to find the words to describe what happened to me, like um, toxic stress and and how it impacts your brain, how it literally, like trauma, um, affects the landscape of your brain and how it changes it. And, and I'm finally starting to, to put into words that inner um, turmoil that I felt most of my life. We'll have to leave it there. You've been listening to a session from the 2019 Tucson Festival of Books curated by Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices program entitled Undocumented, The Price of Admission on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Moderator Ernesto Portillo Jr. and acclaimed authors Reina Grande, Jose Antonio Vargas, and Ingrid Rojas Contreras explored the unforeseen costs of the undocumented experience. Thank you for listening. I'm Amanda Schager. This has been part one of a two-part series. You can find this and all recent episodes of 30 Minutes on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And quiet as it's kept, there's also a 30 Minutes Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter.